Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share. She is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health Exclamation Point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. And Abundantly Well, Seven Medicines, The Wise Woman Way, the newest book in the Wise Woman Herbal Series. In addition to being the editor at Ash Tree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine, You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses. TheWiseWomanSchool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Needs, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, and welcome, Rebecca, and welcome to 2021, and welcome to you all and another year of blog talk here as we uh, see what we can do to nourish 
health, wholeness, and holiness. How are you doing, Rebecca? I'm doing good. Yeah, 2021. It's coming. It's coming in full force. It seems to um, have quite the <laughs> momentum behind it. All right. Yes. Well, 2020 mm-hmm. for me will always be the year of miracles. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I know that it was a difficult year, and it certainly was difficult for me, but it, but I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for 2020. So. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah. I know. What, a, what a year. What a ride, for sure. What a ride. Let's see <laughs> what happens just, this year and um, this evening. Dr. Dravon James, the founder of Everyday Peace and the host of Everyday Peace. Um, is going to be with us. Her journey began in poverty on the south side of Chicago, and now she's a successful pharmacist, author, and actress. <laughs> she has recurring yeah. role on HBO's acclaimed The Wire. So we're going to be talking to Dr. Ravon James this mm-hmm. evening at around 9 o'clock. Come back or stay with us till then. I was happy to see she was an actress on The Wire. That was one of my favorite TV shows. Uh, I had lived in Baltimore, and it's um, a, there's some truth to some of the stories that they that they portray in that show, and it's uh, it's quite the it's quite the show. Anyway, I don't watch very many of those kind of uh, shows, but that one was really good. The acting in it is top notch. All right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I was happy to see that she was acting in that. I went and looked at a clip that she was in to see if I could remember her character because it's been many years since I watched it. Did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw the clip. I did. Oh, and you remembered her. That's great. <laughs> I did a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It, she. I think she had like a pretty, like a smaller role in it. And yeah, I did. I remembered. Um. Yeah, uh, and I heard Mickey's voice back there, and I I was just thinking when I was chopping garlic the other day, I was like, you know, thinking how thankful I am that Mickey uh, showed me how to to cut garlic in such a efficient way. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Good to hear his voice for a moment there. It is. And it is. I was just um, looking at a piece of information that somebody's doctor uh, gave her, and it said uh, that if you're undergoing chemotherapy, you should stay away from elderberry. Hmm. And I thought, what a what a strange piece of herbal misinformation. Is that because they say that, I mean, like the same thing, it's like the cytochasm or the what is it? The the cytokine response cytokine of like form. active. No, I think storm. it's even a little more simple-minded than that. I think that hmm. what they're thinking is, oh, elder improves the immune system, and chemotherapy is supposed to destroy the immune system, so you couldn't take them at the same time. Hmm. In the same way, you wouldn't want to take a drug that lowers blood pressure and a drug that raises blood pressure. It's difficult when you're used to drugs which have a direction of action to get used to herbs which have a sphere of action. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to try to comp- 
compare them to drugs and then say, don't use this herb because it contains estrogen, as in the case of red clover in women with breast cancer, right? Or don't use Mm -hmm. this herb because it has testosterone, as in the case of uh, men with prostate cancer. From the simplistic mm-hmm. belief that there's testosterone and ginseng or estrogen and red clover, but the kind of compound that's in both ginseng and red clover is in every bean, every seed, and every root. So it's in carrots and parsnips, and it's in brown rice and and rice aroni, and it's in um, beans, and it's in lentils. And to to say so to to a woman, you know, to or don't. Um, use red clover or to a man don't use ginseng is just so limited in understanding how the plants are actually working because in fact those plants contain the precursors to hormones Mm -hmm. now does that mean that if you're doing hormone therapy in which you're trying to distort your hormones you should avoid all other sources, possible sources of hormones. That's certainly, you know, a, a whole different question. But that would be my thing. I would say, well, if you're going to avoid red clover, you're going to avoid ginseng. You should avoid all grains and all nuts and all beans and all roots. Mm-hmm. Right. And use a lot of seaweed because seaweed tends to um, sop up hormones. So, or yeah, meat, depending I mean, on you know your understanding of what's going on. It's a, a very interesting, uh, interesting thing. Over thirty years ago, a MD in Manhattan uh, took me aside and said, um, "I want to know, you know, what your take on on hormonal herbs is. Can they really help people transition?" And um, I said. If by help you mean support, yes. If by help you mean change, probably not. Now, Stephen Booner says that there is actually testosterone in pine pollen. Mm-hmm. So, good idea to distinguish between pomegranate seeds, which do actually contain a form of estrogen, and red clover, which doesn't. Hmm. As Stephen reminds us, it's not in plants' interest to have human hormones. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, those hormones, especially those reproductive hormones or endocrine hormones, um, have very specific functions in mammals uh, that aren't coherent with being a plant. And also, again and again, we come back to the appreciation of um, plants give us choices. Plants have a variety of compounds, and our bodies can choose from among those compounds. And they always are, because we're always eating. And everyone seems to agree that the more plants in your diet, the healthier you are. 
Mm-hmm. Are we still connected? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. building the body intelligence. Yeah, I'm listening to what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, there's one more thing. It's really important to me that I express to you that I think that you are important and that what you say to people is important and is perhaps more important than you realize. You know, we talk about at the Green Witch Initiation, the power of three, that what you put out in the world comes back to you three times. And I say that's just when you're starting. When you get any skill at all, it comes back to you ten times. And then when you get very skilled, it comes back to you a hundred times. And when you get extremely skilled, it comes back to you a thousand times and immediately. Mm-hmm. And so when I say to you that there's a difference between belief and truth, it's because I respect your power. And yes, I want and I, I do realize that I've reacted in the moment. You to respect it enough not to put out beliefs mm-hmm. unless that you're very clear that it simply is your belief. We're all entitled to our beliefs. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty clear. Um, I'm getting clear all the time, you know, of what that particular belief and where it's coming from. And, um yeah, I I do also have some some big news I would like to to share um with you with all of this being said right now is that um I am going to move on from doing the radio show with you and I am going to focus on I've been writing pieces of a book this year and um I'm getting a website put up and I'm going to start accepting some people to work one-on-one with, and I'm going to be establishing a garden here at my home and hopefully um, having some, I have some women that are interested in coming and learning from me. So it's all very exciting and I'm very nervous about doing all of that, like stepping out and like really stepping into my power. And um, I'm continuing to study with um, another teacher, uh, Shona Home, which I've been doing some deep work with her for the last couple years. And I'm taking, I've been doing an apprenticeship with her um, for the last several months, and that's going to continue throughout the year. So I'm like really just uh, focusing on um, doing some deep kind of psycho spiritual work um, on myself and with other people. And, um, yeah, I had yeah, I have a a lot of gratitude for this radio show and for all of the, the listeners and for you, Susan, for allowing me to grow so much in this space and really find find my voice and um I need like a I feel like a larger or I need my own kind of like platform now to really like get through what mm. my own thoughts are and my own beliefs are and um yeah so with all with your you know the beliefs and truth and all of it like to really process that and um I've been thinking a lot about uh if the listeners have been listening for quite a while like five years ago I went down to the Peruvian Amazon and I uh sat with a medicine woman Estella Pangosa and um 
she is a, a very, you know, wise woman. It's, at that time, she was working at a different center, and now she just started working or just uh, got her own piece of property, and she's the first Shipibo woman, shaman, in the Peruvian Amazon to own her own healing and she has this amazing center, and she's working with ayahuasca one day and um, the mushroom the next day, and then Wachuma, the San Pedro cactus, the, the next day. And um, they just released a documentary about her called The Song That Calls You Home. And I uh, I just watched it, and it's very good. And there's so much about her. I mean, they didn't cover this uh, this one really important thing that she does is she brings impoverished women out of abusive situations and works with them in her healing center as well. And uh, just being in, I I feel like it was no accident that I found her because I definitely like uh, hold space for women that have had lifelong uh, abuse issues. And it's um, being really revealed to me that, um, that that deep earth medicine is, is really important um, for me to to keep to keep to keep cultivating that that line into the earth. And there's something else that has come to me with like the man-made like medicines that are becoming more popular and that have been popular and thinking about them because I remember when I went down there um, you were saying that ayahuasca can steal your soul and I think about these man-made medicines like uh, LSD and some of the MDMA therapy that's going on and stuff and I think that it can be like a hijack of your mind and that can happen and with all this like there's some you know AI and MK Ultra and all this stuff that's kind of happening in our society right now that we have to be very in tune with uh, the earth. And so through my, my work, I want to start doing this pod, a podcast that is going to really bring in that earth wisdom and um, cultivate that. So with all that being said, I um, hope that folks uh, keep following me and uh, see what I'm up to. So. Wow, what great news. Mm-hmm. Far out. Yeah. That is really exciting. Yeah, yeah. It's a big step for me, so but it's something that I've been um cultivating for quite a while now, so I feel like I am ready. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. You are ready. Yay. Yay. Yay, Rebecca. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. How many weeks do we have? Can you hear, did you hear Justine? <laughs> it says, how many weeks do we have? Um, yeah, I'm willing to have a conversation with Justine about that um, to see, like, who she can. I appreciate it. I know that there are, there's another woman that had ex- expressed interest in um, doing the show um, and I'll see if I mean if you are I can connect you with her mm-hmm. okay and you can see if if she's the right person for you <laughs> I know the last time I did that it didn't work out so well <laughs> <laughs> right it didn't I'll let you, I remember uh, when I'll you let first you uh, when you first wanted to do this 
and how um, how much the universe seemed to throw obstacles in your path. And I oh, yeah. and I said to you, just persist, Rebecca. Yeah. And and you have. Yeah, yeah, that persistence um, has gotten me a long way um, since then too. I I use that and. Everything that I that I do pretty much is like just you know just persist. So <laughs> like can I get all of this done? I have no idea. I'm just gonna I'm gonna just uh, one day at a time here. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone has just someone I have just been served a plate with a piece of coconut cake. Someone. Well, I actually didn't see who put it down. I picked it up off the table. So that's why I'm saying someone. There's quite a few people in the in the room. Um, piece of coconut cake with chunks of dark chocolate in it. A big wow. scoop of Greek yogurt, thick Greek, right? Ten percent cream yogurt, raspberries and blueberries. Wow! Time to celebrate. See? <laughs> Yay! Celebrate. Mm-hmm. Let's see if there's any callers. Yeah, we have quite a few people in the queue right now with their hands up. Make sure to press 1 to speak with Susan if you have a question. And the first caller is coming from the 845 area code, and there's a couple of them, so it's the 876 prefix. Oh, is that, um, am, I, am I one? You, uh, yes, are you 876? Yes. It's you. Tell me what's up. Oh, okay. Hi, Susan. It's Debbie calling. Um, hi, Debbie. Hi. Happy New Year. And to you too. Um, I'm I'm um, calling about something um, called um, premature ventricular contractions. I think that it's like heart palpitations. That's what I think. It's like an extra heartbeat, and I was wondering. Which which herb might be helpful for that? I think the herb that could be your ally is Leonurus cardiaca. Leo is the lion, right? Yes. And cardiac is heart. So it's the lion-hearted herb, also called motherwort. Right usually taken as a tincture made from the fresh flowering top. Okay. And when I'm using motherwort to relieve menstrual cramps or anxiety, I suggest that people start with a small dose, like five or ten drops, and repeat as needed until they, like, actually feel better. Um, But with something like this, I'd say more like, you know, a dropper full. Mhm. At least once a day, and if you think of it, twice a day. Okay. Well, that's uh, very, very um, helpful. Thank you. Mhm. What um, I and uh, last time I spoke to you, you um, were talking about my making my own tinctures, and I think that I'm ready to to start doing it. I watched your video. And it doesn't look as hard as I might have thought it would be. In fact, your granddaughter was doing it. <laughs> In fact, my granddaughter was doing it. You are so right. <laughs> she, 
She, I saw her pouring the vodka into the, the container. <laughs> you say um, if she can do that, I can do that. <laughs> so, so um, I have a question about that. I, I'm going to make tinctures of motherwort and uh, horsehorn berry. Uh, can um, the horsehorn berry be dried, not fresh? Yes, but the motherwort has to be fresh. Okay. So that would mean I would have to find some. I don't think that's that yes, is going to happen. Yes, this is not the appropriate season for harvesting it. Right, and and I've been looking to see who might make tinctures with hundred proof vodka because I know you said that's the way to make it, mm-hmm. and um, most of the herbal companies make it with grain alcohol. It's true. Catskill Mountain Herbals uses vodka. Okay. All right. <clears throat> I'm told that all the big manufacturers of tinctures use grain alcohol because they can buy it without paying tax on it. Oh. All right. And so it's more cost effective for their business. Right. Right. Because the grain alcohol isn't considered a food, right? Mm-hmm. Like the vodka is. And it's a hundred proof vodka, right? Hundred vodka, exactly. Right. And and what the um, hawthorn berry is good for um, for your heart in general and high and blood pressure. Wonderful for the heart, especially for the effectiveness of the heart as it pumps. Mm-hmm. But I think you're choosing well, wonderful companions. I'm going to be 76, so I think I need all the help I can get. Good for you. <laughs> well, very good talking to you, Susan. Thank you very much. A green green blessings. Good night. Bye-bye. The next caller is coming from the other 845 area code. Here I am. This is Tatiana. Hi, Tatiana. Hi, good evening. Um, I was told by someone who got a diet from the health, uh, for from the Heart Association that to heal the heart, I have to stay off sugar, flour, and dairy, and fat. And uh, I want to ask you what you think about this. Poppycock. <laughs> Balderdash. Absurd. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Say some more. <laughs> <laughs> Um, white flour and white sugar do not add anything to your diet. They themselves are actually fairly innocuous. In other words, the worst thing I can say about them is they don't add anything to your diet. Unfortunately, they keep bad company. They keep company with really bad fats. 
So by avoiding white flour and white sugar products, you avoid all of those bad fats. But if instead of refined white sugar, you turn around and have fruit juice with added sugar, um, you're not doing yourself any favor. So to my mind, we are intelligent fat. Every cell in our body is protected by a double layer of lipids. In other words, by two different kinds of fats. Hormones are specialized kinds of fats. And the hormones control a lot of the processes in the body. So if we are fats, then the fats that we consume become important. The kind of fat that we are is the kind of fat that other mammals have. And when we use the fats from other mammals and birds and fish, then the fats in our body tend to be very healthy. When we start using what Sally Fallon talks about in the oiling of America, the often solvent extracted fats from seeds, it becomes difficult for our body to stay healthy. These are more industrialized products. There are fruit fats, coconut oil, avocado oil, olive oil. They're all fruits. Olive oil, I think, is good, isn't it? Yes, what I'm saying is and that it's the oils that are pressed from seeds that are problematic. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, Monica Jean fixed my bag. Thank you, Monica Jean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. So, let me ask you this, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to. Do you currently eat some product that contains white flour and or white sugar at every meal? No. No, very little. I love I love fruit. Uh, I love fish. I eat a healthy diet, only I'm not losing weight and I am overweight. I'm 200 plus, 200 pounds. Yes, but it's not like you're breakfasting on donuts. No, no, I don't. So the ammunition against white flour and white sugar is neither here nor there for you. Dairy, of course, is damned. And to my mind, it's another problems. I'm much happier seeing uh people consume real milk from real animals than, again, than I am seeing them consume fake milk from seeds like soy or almond or oats. Mm -hmm. 
Oat, me, oat milk is not good? It's not milk. Oats don't have breasts. No, but it's, it's like a milk replacement for people who have a milk problem. Time you have to say replacement, you're on the wrong food track. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a problem with natural milk at all. And I don't like skim milk or 2% milk. I like normal real milk. Real milk, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so they said you should avoid white flour, white sugar, dairy products, um, and all fat. Is that were those the four things? Yeah, that, <laughs> that that's about it. <laughs> now, rather than telling people to avoid things, let's tell people to eat things. Let's say. To have a healthy heart, it helps to consume nourishing herbal infusion every day. It helps to eat the healthiest possible fats from organic animals and organic fruit fats. It's wise to contain as many unprocessed fruits and vegetables in your diet Mm -hmm. as you can eat. Yeah, I can eat. A this lot sounds of like a lot more fun than this big list of don'ts, doesn't it? No, I do. I do eat a lot of vegetables. I just love vegetables. I mostly roast them, and I love them. And mm. I eat salads. Mm. Marvelous. And I want to thank you again that uh, I'm not on any medication anymore except uh, tinctures and uh, infusions. And my uh, blood pressure, when I sit quietly, goes under 120. <laughs> and uh, Yes. The only problem I have is, uh, you know, and maybe it's not because of my weight, but it's hard for me to stand and I get tired very easily. Even though I do move around, I do exercise, but without on weight, you know, on my back, I do a lot of, not a lot, but every day, like 15 to 20 minutes, stretching and moving my joints and just feeling good. I'm learning in old age to take care of myself, and you have been really a great teacher for me because I did not want to do anything before I met you. My heart is very full when I hear those words. Thank you. I'm very honored. I'm honored to know you and to benefit from your experience and wisdom and good heart. Thank you. Thank you, Titania. Tatiana. Tatiana. I always call you the fairy queen. I call you Suzun. I love your name. (laughs) (laughs) Green blessings. Green blessings. Happy New Year. The next caller is coming from the 202 area code. Uh, hello. Uh, this is Dina calling. Hi, Dina. Hello. Uh, it's Dina with a D for David. Okay. Oh, Dina. Uh, hi, Dina. Hi. Hello. Um, I have a, a question for you. Um, I was in an auto accident um, about um, a year and a, a year ago, a year and a half ago, and um, I um, 
since that, since the auto accident, uh, well, I, as a result of it, I have edema in my left leg, a little, and some in the right leg, and I'm, um, and I would like to, of course, um, well, get rid of it, certainly reduce it. And um, my question to you is, uh, so I went to my uh, primary care doctor, and he recommended to me a diuretic, um, you know, Western medicine, a drug, and uh, I have been um, using it, um, but um, I don't notice much, if any, improvement. And so my question is, uh, do you have any suggestions in treating edema and this would be in, in in my leg? Yes, I do. Thank you. There's several herbs that you could ally with that could be helpful. The difficulty, as we all know, with drugs is that drugs just have a direction of action. They do one thing, but of course they have side effects, whereas yeah. herbs have a sphere of action, like uh, fireworks, like a constellation of actions. And uh, it's more like a smorgasbord, like the body can choose. So taking a diuretic supposedly pushes the kidneys to work harder and get rid of more fluid, but that also means usually that you get rid of more potassium and, in general, more minerals from your body, which is not a very good side effect. Whereas herbs that would also be called diuretics but work in slightly different ways are usually very rich sources of minerals. Mm-hmm. One of my what favorites is stinging nettle. Nettle? Stinging nettle, N-E-T-T-L-E, nettle. It's... Mm-hmm. um. Used as an infusion, bought as a dried herb. One ounce of the dried herb is put in a quart jar, and that jar filled right to the top of the boiling water. And allowed to steep four hours or overnight. And then strained and refrigerated. And most people notice right away when they start drinking nettle that they start peeing more. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that if you take a diuretic drug, it keeps pushing your kidneys and pushing your kidneys and pushing your kidneys. And if it does work and you're saying that it's not working for you, then you would see increased urination and it would continue to be that way. But with nettle, the way I describe it is that nettle wrings the excess fluid from the tissues and then stops. Uh-huh. Okay. So will affect the tissues that are edemous most strongly and leave your other tissues at peace. Mm -hmm. And right, and make sure that you're well mineralized. Well mineralized. Right, and you can drink. I don't know what that means. You have probably heard that modern food is deficient in nutrients. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it's just about impossible for food to be deficient in protein or carbohydrate or sugar or fat. So what is it deficient in? Plants make vitamins when they're growing, so it's not vitamins, it's minerals. Mm-hmm. The modern diet is fairly deficient in minerals. Mm-hmm. And nourishing herbal infusions have lavish amounts of minerals. And they're in solution in water. So the body is able to utilize those minerals very, very easily. Mm-hmm. I had a, a friend whose husband um, went through some very severe cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. And yep. they wanted him to um, be taking like a liquid food formula so that they would be sure that he was getting the right nutrition. And she said, no, I'm going to be feeding him nourishing herbal infusions. Actually, what she said was, I'm going to be feeding him witchy brews. And uh, they all remarked um, at this very large cancer center on how high the minerals in his blood were. They say usually by now the chemotherapy has destroyed these minerals and these minerals, but he has plenty of them. Mm -hmm. So that's what the infusions do. They don't just act like a drug, they actually nourish and restore the body to be healthy on its own the way it's designed to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. very good. Very so good. stinging nettle, if that's not enough or if you want something else, dandelion, especially dandelion root as a tincture, or cleavers, and cleavers is very interesting herb. Cleavers is often used as a tincture, but it can be made as an infusion. So you can buy dried cleavers and weigh out an ounce and make an infusion just like with the nettle. And cleavers is said to directly affect the lymphatic system and to directly reduce edema caused by trauma. Aha. Uh-huh. Very good. All right. Um, the next the cleavers is poke, Phytolacca americana. And cleavers says pretty please, and poke does as its name says. Mm-hmm. So okay. if a woman has had a breast removed and a lot of lymph nodes removed from that area, and her arm suddenly swells up to the size of a watermelon, we're not going to wait for nettles. We're going to do poke root tincture. Uh-huh. I see. Okay. okay. But it doesn't well, seem to me that you're in that state of emergency right now. <laughs> no, I'm not in that state of emergency, but over the last three years, um, I have... Um, I've had kidney cancer and a, a kidney removed, and then I had um, then uh, I had bladder cancer, and I have had um, local, uh, not it was not uh, systemic, but local um, chemotherapy, and I am now on immunotherapy chemo, the, the immunotherapy chemo drug, and. Uh, it seems to be working. 
Um, so, um, uh, so I have I, I have had uh, a challenging uh, few years, but I uh, seem seem to be uh, feeling better and doing pretty well. Hooray for you! What resilience! <laughs> well. Blue nettle is one of five nourishing herbal infusions that I rotate through, and I drink a nourishing herbal infusion every day. Do you? Uh-huh. It's, they're not just remedies. They're life skills. Stinging nettle oh. is the herb of energy. It restores kidney and adrenal power. Oat straw okay. is the herb of the powerful nervous system, and, of course, we know about people who are feeling their oats. Mm-hmm. Linden blossom is at the world's finest anti-inflammatory and one of the world's leading preventers of flu. Uh-huh. Red clover has so many roots that the roots of a single plant, if laid end-to-end, would encircle the globe, and it's one of the most mineral-rich plants known. It's quite a fascinating plant. It does huge variety of different things to normalize and really help all body functions. Mm-hmm. And comfrey leaf, comfrey leaf oh, infusion yeah. um, nourishes and strengthens um, what's been called the interstitium, which is all the things that keep us together, the skin, the mucous surfaces, the ligaments, mm-hmm. the tendons, the, you know, all of that um, interstitial stuff. And comfrey increases the flexibility and the strength of those tissues. You've probably heard that I had extensive surgery in May, 17 hours of surgery. And I told no, the surgeons no, before they cut me open that they were not working on a Ford. Right? They were working on a Mercedes. And the lead surgeon came to me when I was on the ward recovering and said, you know, you said you weren't a Ford, you were a Mercedes. That's not quite right. You're really a Ferrari. <laughs> and that is due to comfort. That is due to comfort that all of my tissues in my 70s are stretchy, strong, healthy. Well, Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I'm freely confused. Yes, I will look into this. And thank you. I, too, am in my mid-70s. And, um, uh, and I will, I'll, I'll look into this as I'm obviously very interested in um, keeping my immune system boosted. Exactly. Uh, so, th- th- thank you very much. You are welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. The next caller is coming from the four one five area code. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi. My name is Heidi, and I've been a fan for a while, and I'm so grateful to talk to you tonight. What's up tonight, Heidi? Well, I have two questions. The first question is around candida and how to support the body in um, making sure that you have a healthier level of candida rather than like an overgrowth. Eat more dirt. Yeah, what what do you mean by that exactly? 
the microbiome project found that the flora that were most missing from the American gut were soil bacteria. Oh. Let's think about it. If you were an indigenous person, what would be the likelihood that you might have dirt or soil bacteria in your food? Probably a lot, and it probably made the food taste delicious. Exactly. People say to me, why do you have us pick salad? You don't believe in raw food. You don't believe that raw food is better. Why are we picking salad? I said, because it's a very tasty way to eat dirt. (laughs) Right? We don't wash our salad greens. We just pick them and put them in the salad bowl. Now, when I say eat dirt, I mean soil bacteria, right? I don't mean crunch, crunch, actually eat dirt. My friend Hmm. Brian Drum has people take a spoonful of good garden soil, stir it into a glass of water, let the dirt settle, and then drink the water. Ah. Do you recommend that as well? It's much more fun to pick and eat salad. Do you recommend doing that? Is like stirring in some fresh, healthy soil, we letting it access good it? organic garden soil. It's certainly one way to do it, especially during the winter when there's not a lot of plants. But even a single leaf of any wild plant, and if there's no snow on the ground, you can almost always find dandelion or plantain or um, glaucoma heteraceae, creeping Jenny, gill over the ground, ground ivy. It's got a lot of names. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have a well, lot one of leaf a day. We're, we're, we're talking bacteria here, right? We don't have to overdo mm-hmm. it. They're small. Well, that's a fun way. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. You are welcome. And um, it's very, very rare that there is a candida overgrowth in the intestines. Extraordinarily rare. As a matter of fact, the only people I've known it to happen to have been dead within a couple of days later. Oh, um, well, I There's went There's an awful lot of people, however, who would be very happy to take your money by telling you you have a candida overgrowth. Yeah, I went to some sort of naturopathic doctor, and he did a, a blood test and stool test and found that I had maybe an overgrowth of candida, and I had severe eczema all over my body, um, I guess, due to that. So I, I don't know. That was just something he candida said. Candida overgrowth but... cannot cause eczema. Hmm. I wonder why I had it then. Did you go on a candida diet and your eczema went away? Um, I went, I took a coconut pill supplement that was supposed to help get rid of the overgrowing candida in my gut. And when I started doing that, that is when I saw the most significant results within 15 years of trying to figure out what was wrong with my skin. So you were taking a fat. Ah, have you been listening to the show? Did you hear me going on about fats before? Oh, yeah. I've been listening since the beginning. And right. um, 
So, so I think that that's what's going on is that you, you know, offered your body a fat that it was very happy to have. Hmm. Yeah, maybe I should eat just more coconut oil in general. Give it a try and see how you respond to it. Great, I will. I often say that the skin is the boundary between ourselves and other. Mm-hmm. Everything inside my skin is me. Everything outside my skin is you or something other than me. Mm-hmm. And there are two reasons why there would be breakage of the skin, which is what eczema is, right? The skin is mm-hmm. broken. The skin surface is not intact. There's a, a, a break in that boundary. And the two reasons are that we feel trapped in our own skin and have to break out in order to be in touch with others. And the other reason is that we feel very thin-skinned and we feel like life is too rough. It rubs us the wrong way and damages us. I've heard those two philosophies um, from um, a lot of affirmations around skin health. I think what's important is to kind of feel into which one of those better describes you. Of course, we all have, you know, parts of everything within us. And to really ask it, how you can satisfy it. In other words, not to affirm it away or to say that it's wrong and it's desire to protect you, but to see if there's some other way that you can fulfill that protective function without having eczema. Mm. One way to do that is to ask yourself what the problem with the problem is. What's the problem with having eczema? It felt like I couldn't be present because I was scratching the next itch. It was almost impossible to be present with people. So once we identify a problem with a problem, then we can rewrite it to put it in what I call the voice of power. So in a way, it becomes its opposite, but not really, because we don't we wouldn't say um, I was very present because of the itching. Um, we would say I didn't want to be present, and the itching helped. Hmm. And then at that point, we can say, okay, is there another way to not be present without having eczema? Wow. Yeah, I mean, there there are. I mean, taking space, going into a room and being alone, <laughs> collecting myself. That would be one way that I can think of at the top of my head. Yeah. 
as you begin to listen to yourself with care, then taking care of yourself becomes easier. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for uh, sharing that with me, Susan. Yeah. Are you drinking nourishing herbal infusions at this time? Um, I go on and off. My favorite is nettle. I love the flavor the best and oat straw. But um, the herbal infusion herbs that I have at home are nettle, red raspberry leaf, and red clover. And I think I do have some um, comfrey, as you called it. Comfrey and linden would be two wonderful allies for you now. Yeah, I tried a linden before. It's really delicious. Yeah. And again, remember that the comfrey is going to strengthen the skin. Okay. Thank you. I will I will go ahead and start taking it. Um, may I ask you my second question, unless you have yes. more to add to the first one? No. Okay. Um, the second question is, Um, Based on my constitution and things that I've understood about myself and my experience with my body is that um, my joints, like my ankles, my wrists, my knees, and my neck are all quite sensitive. Um, So when I do yoga or when I do exercises where I have to hold strength in those parts, it becomes very painful and then it makes it impossible to exercise or not impossible, but it makes it more challenging to exercise because then my wrists are really hurting or my my ankles or my knees. And um, so I do low-impact exercises like swimming, but I can't swim all year long because I live in Oregon and it's cold in winter here. But I was wondering if um, st- putting stinging nettle on those joints when they're in season would be a good idea, and if you had other suggestions, too, for those joints. Comfrey. Like the herbal infusion? Comfrey leaf, herbal infusion. Comfrey strengthens and increases the flexibility of the tendons and ligaments, which tie bone to bone and muscle to bone. When we feel weak at a joint, it's usually the tendons and ligaments that are weak. Mm. Okay. Of course, I also wonder what kind of yoga pose you're doing. And you did say low impact, so you're not doing very calisthenic yoga, and you're not doing yoga at a very hot temperature. Um, normally, no, I don't do it at a hot temperature. Um, I love doing yoga in a hot temperature, but most of the time I'm just doing it in my room. And the poses that would hurt would be like a plank position or doing upward dog. Um, so let me give you three yoga rules. Never do yoga in the morning. It is very bad for your joints. Okay. Yoga for your joint health after three in the afternoon. Never do yoga every day. It is very bad for your joints. Hmm. 
Okay. Do yoga one day. Do tai chi another day. Do qigong. You know, walk, swim. But don't do yoga every day. I've done an hour and a half of yoga once a week for about 60 years. Okay. I've seen a lot of people come into yoga, do it every day, and drop out within two years because they hurt their joints. I definitely don't do yoga every day. If anything, I try to at least get it once a week, and I I hardly get that. <laughs> so, Once a week. Make yourself a commitment to once a week. That's a good, a good plan. Okay. And um, don't do yoga at any temperature over room temperature because you will definitely hurt your joints. Hmm. Hot yoga so is hot yoga absolutely is the worst for your joints. Okay, that's interesting because hot yoga is like a big fad. So yes, it is. Okay, so do it once a week. And don't do it until after 3 p.m. And don't do hot yoga. Exactly. You've got it. And, you know, your body likes routine. So you don't have to, like, switch it around and do a whole bunch of different poses every time. You know, find a practice that really suits you. You know, yoga, the yoke, means if you're going to do a forward bend, you do a backward bend. If you're going to go to the right, then you go to the left. Right, okay. Okay. Right, we yoke poses together in yoga. We yoke the mind and the breath, and we yoke the the forward and the back and the right and the left. And we yoke the action with the rest as well. As a matter of fact, one of the most beneficial things about yoga is that you work for a while and then you rest. You know, put yourself in pose of child. And at the very end of it, you um, move yourself into um, what is called the corpse pose, but we prefer to call the sponge pose, where you're just laying there and absorbing. Hmm. Those are actual yoga poses, and they're some of the most important ones. If you're creating your own practice, be sure to include them. Okay, will do. All right. Thank you for your call. Thank you so much, Susan. Great blessing. Bye-bye. Bye. The next caller is coming from the 503 area code. Hello? Hi. Hi there. Hold on one second. I'm fixing my headphones. All right. Hi, Susan. Hi. How are you tonight? Feeling groovy. Awesome. I have a uh, couple questions for you. Um, I had a uh, an experience this morning that uh, scared me quite a bit. Um, I uh, I just started ovulating two days ago, and uh, I've noticed um, that I've begun to spot on the first day of ovulation. And um, this morning when I woke up, I went to the bathroom and took my first urination. And the toilet bowl was full of blood. Oh, that is so scary. And, yeah, it was pretty scary. And I actually, I had to gather myself and took a moment and then woke up my boyfriend and had him look at it and everything. And we sat together and talked about it and things like that. 
But um, I was noticing last week that I could feel like my kidneys felt like they were working in overdrive. And one of the things I've noticed about my body over the last couple of years is that when I eat, I don't eat a lot of sugar and white flour and stuff like that. But if I ever find that I'm at, you know, a gathering or something or I get a craving and I eat some chocolate or something like that, I tend to get crampy and I feel like I get kind of itchy in my lady area, like mostly in the inside of my vagina. And so I've been really good about trying not to eat sugars and stuff like that. I also started cutting out oxalate, like high oxalate foods with a lot of oxalic acid. And that seems to have really helped, but I did start to introduce those things back in slowly and that's when I started to feel my kidneys um, functioning a little bit higher, dull, achy pain and things like that. So I guess my question to you is uh, what should my level of concern be at this point? I'm unsure. Okay. First of all, the kidneys have no nerve endings. Okay. So we can't really feel our kidneys. And most people don't really know where their kidneys are anyhow. Uh, the kidneys lie on either side of the spine, kind of protected by the bones of the spine, and well up in the back so that they're also protected a little by the ribs. All right. So when people say they are feeling something in their kidneys, usually they're feeling something in the tubes that go from the kidneys to the bladder, which are supplied with nerve endings. If you pass a kidney stone, well, you don't feel that stone in your kidney, but you feel it as it moves into that tube. All right. Into the ureter. Generally, a single occurrence of bloody urine is not of much concern. The second occurrence or repeated occurrences, of course, make it something that needs to be checked out. But a single drop of blood can make the whole toilet bowl look like it's full of blood. Okay. It's very hard to judge how much blood is actually in a toilet bowl. Yeah, I think that makes sense. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it's that makes sense. Partly because it's, it's so stunning and scary. Yes, <laughs> especially like, right ah, now. Yeah. <laughs> but it yes. doesn't necessarily mean that that blood is coming from your kidneys or even from your bladder. It could, as you suggested at the beginning, be a little menstrual-like blood that, that you shed at ovulation. That's not unusual. Okay. It's not ordinary and common, but neither is it unusual. As a matter of fact, there are other mammals who do have a bloody show at ovulation, right? Yeah. Dogs spring immediately to most people's minds. 
Exactly, yep. So not outside of the bounds of mammalian behavior. All right. If it happens again at ovulation, I wouldn't say, oh, that's the second time this is worrisome. I would say, oh, okay. I bleed a little at ovulation. You're how old now? I'm 36, about to be 37. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, so, I've begun to notice. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so um, you have children? No. And I've begun to notice my body changing quite a bit. I would say over the last um, probably six months, I can feel, I just feel, I feel different, not in a bad way, but I just, I feel like my cycle has changed a little bit. It's slowing down a little bit. Um, like I said, the ovul, the bleed, the small amount of blood at the beginning of ovulation just started. Um, my libido has been a lot lower than normal. Um things like that. So I've just been kind of trying to gather all these pieces and make sense of, of a few things. <laughs> You're not on a restricted diet of any kind? No. Okay. Then I think you probably doing fine. Keep eating okay. Broad diet of well-cooked food and drinking your nourishing herbal infusions, and leave the door ajar. If there's something really wrong, leave the door ajar to be told. All right. All right, and trust if you're not told that it's okay. Okay. All right. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Green blessings. Good night. Yes, good night. The next caller is coming from the 818 area code. Hello. Hello. Hi, my name is Kenya. Um, I have a question on um, um, treatments for frozen shoulder. I've been using... um, St. John's oil on it, but um, I think I'm going to need more than that. Tell me a little bit more about your frozen shoulder. How did it start? Yeah, I'm um, I'm 50, and um, it seems like it just overnight I woke up and I couldn't move my arm up anymore, but... Um, I've been told that it could be related to menopause, which I am um, experiencing that. I haven't, I've missed my period since, um, for about four or five months now, and it seems like it started about the same time. I haven't had any injury. Mm-hmm. And can you describe your diet for me? Um, I, just gluten-free diet because of my Hashimoto. I'm sorry, a what-free diet? A gluten-free diet. Because of Hashimoto's? Yeah. I have never heard of an association between Hashimoto's and gluten. Please enlighten me. 
how does gluten affect Hashimoto's? Well, um, I, yeah, I've read about it, and I've personally tried it a few times um, to go back on it, and every time I did, it got worse. My Hashimoto would get worse. The thyroid um, uh, antibodies would go up, and I just wouldn't feel um, good in general. Mm-hmm. So... You are replacing all your wheat products with rice and corn products? No, I don't do um, uh, processed food. I, I eat fairly healthy. Um, I do eat rice. Um, uh, so ri- brown rice is not processed? No, I don't eat brown rice. I just um, eat white rice, actually. Okay. But I don't eat corn. Uh-huh. Kasha, millet, quinoa? Yes. Yes, quinoa? Yes, millet and quinoa, yeah. Millet and quinoa, Uh uh-huh. And um, which meats do you eat? Um, All of them. (laughs) Good, good. And any other restriction on your diet besides gluten? Um, no, I've tried to do dairy, but I can't do it, so I I use dairy. So no, no other restrictions. I'm so glad to hear that you love your mother. <laughs> uh, because, of course, the uh, first dairy in our life is from our mother, isn't it? Yes, of course, yeah. Of course, right. So I'm glad that you are still loving your mother. Um, are you drinking nourishing herbal infusions at this point? I've um, I don't have I've ordered some. I haven't gotten all of them yet, but I did start on stinging nettle. I have some in my backyard. All right, and you were able to dry it. Uh, yes. My mom did it for me last year, so I still have She dried it for you. How perfect. Remember when you dry your own to use the stalks as well as the leaves and to get the stalks up. Oh, yeah, I didn't do that. Okay. Well, how does the nutrition get to the leaves? Um, yeah. Through Through the stalks. Yes. And you lose a lot of the benefit if you just throw the stalks away. So do keep the stalks, but do cut them up when you brew it. That's wonderful. Um, And, of course, the thing is that if you throw the stalks away, then it's very, very hard uh, to really use enough nettle because it seems so precious. What kind of scale are you using? Um, The one that I can zero out. I don't know what they're called. Wonderful, wonderful. Good. So you're using a full ounce. By weight, that's perfect. No problem at all. So I've seen, seen people who grew their own nettle and plucked the leaves off of the, the stalks, and then instead of using an ounce, they use, you know, like a, a small amount of leaves because it just seems so precious to them. Yeah, they're hard to pick. And all the more reason to use the stalk. Yes. <laughs> More for your effort there. 
So do uh, would that be um, enough to help with um, my frozen shoulder, or should I do comfrey um, infusion as well? Well, I always suggest that you rotate through all five. Stinging nettle, of course, is, is somewhat helpful, but comfrey is going to be extremely helpful. Linden is a wonderful anti-inflammatory, and what's going on is an inflammation. Right. Oat straw helps strengthen the nervous system. There's a nervous involvement here. Right. And red clover is considered very restorative to function and to movement. Now, what kinds of things do we say about the shoulders? I I don't know. Well, we might say, I'm going to shoulder that burden. Hmm. We might feel that someone has stabbed us in the back. We might look for a shoulder to cry on. What other things do we say about shoulders? Um, I guess the burdens, if you have a burden on... Uh And if someone is snubbing us, we call that giving us a cold Cold shoulder. shoulder. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah. Which is kind of another way of saying frozen shoulder. That those those three things you just mentioned, they um, are I can relate to. Yeah. <laughs> and it's we're not saying these things so that we can fix them or have them be right, but so that we can under, understand ourselves as complex beings and offer ourselves nourishment at many different resonances. That it helps to have herbal allies. And uh, if something is frozen, then usually the application of heat is called for a heating pad. For instance, it's an inexpensive way to apply heat or to get into a, um, a hot pool or a hot shower um, can apply heat. And thinking about how having a cold shoulder serves us. We're not at war with our body. Our body is not at war with us. Our body expresses for us truths that we find sometimes unpalatable. So I need to take um, the mental aspect of it into emotional aspect of it into 
uh, account? Is that what you mean yes. by serving? You don't have to, but if you do, then you are enriched. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We started out the show by saying that we're focusing on offering people health, wholeness, and holiness. And so the more parts of yourself that you bring to the dinner table, the more compassion you have for all of the aspects of your being, the greater you are. Doctors can fix things, but that's different than healing something. I'm happy that you're using the Hypericum oil, the St. John's Word oil, St. John's Word tincture. Um, I have found that sometimes doing what I call a St. John's Word blast can really blast through nerve pain or muscle spasm. And the blast is to take a dropper full of St. John's Word tincture every 15 minutes or more frequently if there's pain. Okay. Now you have to have a lot of hypericum tincture to do that. It rarely needs to go on for more than 24 hours. Sometimes it does, but not very often. And often that last will completely clear the problem in the muscle or the nerves. Okay, I'll try that. And after you try that, Call back and let us know how it went, will you? Definitely. Will do. Thank you. You're welcome. You're in blessings. Good night. All right. Looks like we have about seven minutes and one more caller in the queue with a question before the guest arrives. This caller oh, is what wonderful timing. Yes. <laughs> this caller is coming from the 312 area code. Hi, Susan. Hi. Um, I've been very hesitant to call you about this because I'm afraid you're going to call me vain. It is a problem of vanity. But um, I'm young. Oh, wait, wait, about no, wait a second. Wait a second. You're like <laughs> slurring my good name here starting out. Who have, who have I ever called vain? Well, I'm calling myself vain. <laughs> All right. Now we're being a little clearer. That's fine. You can call yourself vain if you want to. I don't know if I would, but you can't. Well, let's see. <laughs> I'm, um, My friend told I'm, me I was vain. And I said, really? I am not. And then I went to the beach and I looked around and I said, I am so vain because if I looked like that, I would not wear that bathing suit. <laughs> All right. I feel comforted. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm 27 years old. This is a problem that I've had since I was, 
you know, pubescent, and uh, I think a lot of women have this problem, but I would argue probably I have it worse than others, and it is facial hair. Um, I have a lot of it. Uh, back in my early 20s, I was a different woman, never heard of you before, and I had undergone some incredibly heroic and damaging procedures like laser hair removal, things like that. would never do that today. Um, anyway, it didn't help. And it didn't help? When I, oh, my goodness. Yeah, at all. Like, it didn't, I mean, help in that it didn't make any of the hair go away. It went away temporarily. It comes back. And if I shave it, I get acne. If I wax it, I tend to get acne. So I'm stuck in this conundrum of either sporting a goatee or having a lot of facial acne. And, of course, I use my yarrow and all this stuff, but uh, I would rather just try to avoid it in the first place. And I drink my infusions, not as consistently as I should, but often. And... uh, I'm not, I just am at a loss. I don't know what to do. It's embarrassing. I've listened a lot this, after, or this evening about you saying, you know, what's the, the woman's eczema, you, look, you know, what's the problem? Is it healing or is it fixing? What's and the I'm problem like, what with the problem, right? What's the problem with the problem? Yeah, like what is the problem? And the problem is just the lack of confidence, you know. It's, it's embarrassing. It and takes crazy. a lot of really confidence to pull off being a bearded woman. It does. Yes, it does. And I just, it's really not does. I have known. In my life, several bearded women. <laughs> One of them was six foot six, so the beard was like really secondary. She, but she had a full beard, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. You know, but she was, you know, such so huge. Anyhow, you just like get a, like already <laughs> knew you were in the presence of something different. And then another <laughs> one, um, it was Ms. Imani. And Ms. Amani plays drums, and she plays at women's herbal conferences. And she has a, a, a goat beard, she calls it. <laughs> and so she doesn't have, like, facial hair on her cheeks. Mm-hmm. It's it's from her um, chin, right? Yeah, and that's mostly mine. She has, she has, a, she has a little bit of a mustache, but mostly... It's like, you know, long, straight chin hair. Mm-hmm. I don't get on my cheeks, get it above my lip, and then a bit of my neck as well. Uh-huh. And she just keeps it really prettily groomed and often will tie a pretty barrette or bow on it. <laughs> oh, wow. And um, it's always a challenge. To be different mm-hmm. and to not be like everybody else. Mm-hmm. But how many of us really is like everybody else? How how often do we squish ourselves into that form to try to be like everybody else? Yeah, so you could, and I'm not saying you should, but could see it as your wild card. You can get out of jail free card. I'm working towards it. I'm trying to embrace that much confidence, and I'm not yeah. quite there. I mean, I just I don't know if that's in my spirit, you know, and I right. think even men have the option to shave their facial hair. Of course, I have the option to shave it. It's just the acne. So I, I know, again, this is vanity. There are so many worse problems. It's not, but, I don't uh, think it's vanity. I think it's a very <laughs> real issue of... What is beauty? What is conformity? What do we mm-hmm. do 
to fit in. What are we willing to do? What aren't we willing to do? What's our culture? There's a lot of things that that go into this. I remember reading Alice Walker's book, Warrior Marks, where she decides that since she's, you know, made money that she's going to go to Africa and she's going to um, end genital mutilation of young girls. Hmm. And what she finds when she goes there is that the girls want to be genitally mutilated because everyone else is. Wow. Wow. So isn't that what you're saying? You're saying I can either have a beard or mutilate myself in some way. You know, I never thought about it like that, but yes. And I I will mutilate myself in order to fit in. And there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with that. That is the default option. That is what we do, whether it's put our feet into high heels or break girls' feet and find their feet or cut up their genitals or squeeze their heads flat on boards. That is what humans do to fit in. And there's nothing wrong with fitting in. Neither is there anything wrong in America in the 21st century with sticking out. (laughs) If we were in Japan, I'm sorry, I would have to tell you something different. (laughs) I'll hear you. And again, you're going to have to judge your culture. Mm -hmm. And the South can be more restrictive if you're still living there. I'm not, no. Mm -mm. Chicago these days. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I was hoping, I know we're out of time here, but um, there might be some herbal allies that could potentially help aid at the very least. But I'm, I'm hearing these words and I'm appreciating the message you're saying. All the herbs can do is make your hair more luxuriant. (laughs) <laughs> it's not going to, well, you, you know, the herbs aren't drugs that are going to make that hair fall out. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so um, as far as I can tell, you're right that all of your, the methods available to you to get rid of that hair are going to damage you to a greater or lesser extent. And that All right. that there might be some social damage if you don't get rid of your hair, um, but that might be less damaging. It's not for me to know. It's for you. Thank you, Susan. I appreciate it. All righty. Green blessings. Thanks for your call. Green blessings. And thanks for your patience, Dr. Dravon James, the founder of Everyday Peace and the host of Everyday Peace on Unity Radio. As an inspirational speaker, Dr. Dravon's goal is to educate, empower, and inspire others to build the life of their dreams no matter what shows up. Dr. Dravon James' journey began in poverty on the south side of Chicago. Though she had always dreamt of a career on the stage, she went on to earn a doctorate in pharmacy from Creighton University and has worked as a pharmacist all of her adult life. 
along with her medical career and theatrical aspirations, Ravon has always had a keen interest in personal development. After reading Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking in College, she went on to make a lifelong study of the power we all have to create the life we want. Ravon is now the happy mother of two teenagers, a successful pharmacist, an inspirational speaker, and author, and an actress whose career credits include a recurring role on HBO's acclaimed The Wire, many stage plays, and independent films. Dravon continues to inspire and teach what she knows to be the most effective tool for transforming, creating, and building a spectacular life which is tapping into every day. Peace. And she has an inspiring and amazing client list. Welcome to the show, Gerard. Thank you. It's wonderful to be with you. Oh, Gerard, I don't know how Rebecca is hearing you, but I am not getting good sound. Are you on a cell phone? Yes. If the sound is not coming through at all, maybe try hanging up and calling back and see if the sound is better, perhaps walking in a different room. Okay, I'll give you a call right back. Okay, good. Thanks, Gerard. Wow, that's beautiful, Monica Jean. You have to make the inner world smaller. Make it I'm going to do the same. Mana B. What? Dravon, are you back? Can She's you hear right me here. clearly? Hello, Dravon. Hi, can you hear me clearly? Oh, much better. Thank you. That's really great. Wonderful. Yes, really feeling great. Um, wow, south side of Chicago. That's not an easy neighborhood to grow up in. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> it, it, can be, it can be challenging, but you know, you can find love in every place that you go if you look hard enough. Well, there you go, because, you know, sometimes it just seems easier to be bitter and resentful. Yeah, right, because, you know, our social norms, we t- and you were talking about that a little bit earlier, we tend to have a lot of support in engaging in activities that are harmful, right? So if you tend to want to be negative, well, you can find so much support out there, so much um, really supports you in the woe is me mindset, but when we choose positivity, when we choose love and we choose accepting ourselves, there is a tribe for that too. There is a tribe for that too. But the people who um, see the doom and gloom are not necessarily happy to have you leave them. Oh, I know, right? Because it challenges them, right? Once we decide that, hey, you know, I'm going to choose this way. It challenges all of their beliefs. They get scared, and then they feel like, oh, well, maybe my way of living, my way of believing is being threatened. And they don't want to see us pull away on one end. And on the other end, I believe there is some part of them that's rooting for us, but it's buried under that ego, which doesn't want to go where it hasn't been. There's a certain safety to being unhappy. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is this because you know we know that we we know that if if we're unhappy and we choose that common course of being unhappy and being bitter and being resentful, and you know we know that it's familiar to us, it, and so the ego likes the familiarity of that. When we say, you know what, I'm consciously going to choose another path, it's foreign to the ego. It gets scared and. Everything in us wants to go with the familiar. We want to go with what we know. You know, this may be hard, but I know I can survive this way of thinking. To go the other way, we don't know what's over there. But once we do decide to embrace a lifestyle of, hmm, I'm going to look for the lesson that's in this moment that's going to propel my life in another direction. Once we start getting that mindset of being curious instead of being fearful, we find that it's so much more peace and the letting go of the anger, letting go of resentment, letting go of shame, letting go of unforgiveness. It feels good to let go. No blame, no shame, no guilt. Oh, yes, yes, yes. When we, we could scream that from the mountaintop. And, you know, when people let go even just a little bit and they realize, whew, I feel a lot better. The load is a lot less on my shoulders. That feeling can become addictive, but you're right. There's so much in the culture that's pulling us away from that mindset till it's really, it really takes us to really stand up in our adultness to say, I'm going to try a different way. We really have to stand firm in that first before we reap the benefits. Mm. Do you have any insights or tips or ways that you found helped you to stand up. Uh, because, of course, when, as we've just said, when we first start to do this, um, it's almost like the whole world is against us. Yes, yes. And I'm so glad you asked for tips because I love talking about ways in which we can embrace our next level of greatness, whatever that is for you. You know, sometimes we're looking for our next level of greatness with our health, sometimes with our wealth, sometimes with our relationships. But whatever category you want to find this next level of greatness, the first thing you have to do is self-awareness. Realize and accept where you are now without any shame, without any guilt or condemnation. Just be willing to Know what, what what your now state is. What, what's going on now? I often tell people if you are in a room and you, that room is painted yellow and you want the walls to be painted blue, you must first be aware that the room is not blue, that it's yellow. And you must accept that these are yellow walls and there's no shame, there's no condemnation about them being yellow. It's just the walls are yellow and I'd like for them to be blue. So that's the first thing I tell people is really get to know who you are, how you feel. That's a big step because so often we don't know what we feel about anything. We know what the media tells us about it. We know what our friends say, what our parents or our siblings say, but we're not clear on how we honestly feel about something. And that feeling is it's so important. We can intellectualize everything, but when you just go to your, to your gut area and say, what do I feel about this situation? And just become aware. That awareness opens you up to that. It's almost like validating you for being you. And that standing in that truth and that raw love right there opens you up to your to your next level. 
to your next to the next step. So you can do nothing without that self love and that self awareness. Once you have that, then you can move into this awe like you know, like children. We become so uh, curious about everything. You become curious about, well, why do I feel that way about that? What mm-hmm. you know, and, and these these questions are organic. You don't even have to think about them. Once you start to accept yourself, the questions will just start flowing, and then you'll be in this space of just. Oh, that's interesting. Without judgment, that's so important. Not to judge how we feel about something. Just to accept that is what I feel about it. Now we can decide, well, I feel this way about it and I choose to change, or I feel this way about it and I don't choose to change. But that's the next level. The awareness without judgment is the first step. Awareness without judging ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that beautiful? Without judging ourselves, we often feel like we can use criticism to create sustainable change. We can't. We can't. And I know. Please say that again. That's really important. It's so so important because when we look around us, we don't, you know, the world tells us that that which you want to change, you must first criticize. And it's so untrue. When you criticize, when you practice self-criticism, Right? We alert the ego to go on attack, right? So instead we say, oh, I see this without any judgment. I'd like to change it. There's nothing wrong with changing your mind. There's nothing wrong with changing your behavior. It doesn't mean that you are wrong. It just means that you found a more effective way to achieve what you want to achieve. You can do that without, without any self-criticism. You can love your way, yourself to sustainable change. And that's so important because when we practice that type of acceptance, that type of love for ourselves, then we can do that more easily for somebody else. When we get into a, we get into this wonderful space, this amazing space of service, and that's where the magic happens. When you start to realize that your life is bigger than just you, that whatever the goals are, whatever it is that you need to change your perspective on is going to serve a greater good. There's energy behind that. There's so much energy there. So absolutely true. I often say that if you haven't generated compassion for yourself as you are, then any compassion you have for others is fake. Yes. So many people go rushing out to do good for others mm-hmm. and to be compassionate and to be intuitive and to, you know, align with others, but they haven't done that for themselves yet. And so... I'm saying fake in a loving way because it's not that they are meaning to be fake. It's just that they haven't, as you're so skillfully telling us, touched into their central being. Right. Because we give you what you were both saying, which is so beautiful. We could teach this lesson and really get people to buy into this. We'd see global change almost instantaneously because we do give from our overflow. Authentically, this space of this goodness is like I would think of like honey dripping from the side of a honey pot. 
right? So everything that the honey gets to is going to become sticky with that goodness and that sweetness. So we give first to ourselves. We we give our time and attention to ourselves. And we get this confused so often in society. We think, oh, well, if I love myself, I'll buy the expensive shoes or I'll buy the expensive car. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that is not an expression of love. Love is expressed through your time and attention on yourself, getting to know yourself. If you love someone, you think of getting into a new romantic relationship and you realize, goodness gracious, I could spend every moment with this person. I want to get to know everything about this person. When you feel this way about yourself, you don't feel the need. It doesn't matter whether you buy the new car, the new house, the new shoes. You love yourself. You appreciate yourself. You know yourself. And the external things just become things. But this love, this authentic love that you have for yourself, this patience and forgiveness that you're giving to yourself, now you so willingly give it to others because you're overflowing with it. It's dripping on the outside of you, and you're giving from the authentic space. You're so right. When you try to give from this space of scarcity, you don't have it for yourself, even if you're giving it, you want so much good to come out of it, you're, it's, um, there used to be this expression, give till it hurts. And it does hurt. It doesn't. It it doesn't do go forth and do all of the good that it could do, because you haven't first loved on yourself authentically. You are very inspiring. <laughs> Tell us more about everyday peace and your everyday peace radio show. Okay, so everyday peace has been a passion of mine for many, many years, and it has evolved. I I first uh, got fascinated with peace and the concept of peace when I was 17 years old, and I read Norman Vincent Peale's The Power of Positive Thinking. And over the years, I uh, kept reading things that uh, related to developing a, a life of awareness. And the definition that I use for peace as it relates to everyday peace is that peace is wholeness completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. I love that definition. I'll tell you why. It's because it means that if there's something, if some rain falls in your life, it's part of the whole picture. We don't close our eyes to things that we don't want to be happening and pretend like they're not there. They're part of the whole picture. And it's in the taking of everything that has shown up in our life, the good, the bad, and the in-between. When we take all of that in and we become aware of it and we accept it as it is, we're now positioned to consciously create the life of our dreams. I call it our next level of greatness. So that's what we seek to do with Everyday Peace is to get people to really look at everything that's shown up in their life and get into the practice of being able to take that, it's all energy, and transmute it into life-affirming energy, whatever it is that you consciously want to create. So I have a show that comes on every Monday uh, at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Unity Online Radio Network. We're also on several other podcasts, Apple and Google Play and a couple others. But we focus on bringing on topics and people who help to give us an insight as to what they're doing with the things that have shown up in their life in hopes to inspire us, to spark something in us that says, oh, my goodness, I've had these things that have shown up in my life. I've had divorce. 
yet my life is not over. I can build from that. I can use the energy from that to create something else. I, You know, we've had people on who um, lost children and, and still went on and done amazing things, health issues, using everything that shows up and says, if I'm still here, I still matter, my life still counts, my service still counts, how can I use even this? to go on to create my next level of greatness. And that's the whole premise behind Everyday Peace is showing us how to get to our next level of greatness using the ingredients, using the circumstances that have shown up in our life. Not spending our time wishing our life were other, but acknowledging what color the walls are so we Mm -hmm. can paint them a different color if we choose to. What a beautiful metaphor for us. Thank you. Thank you, Kravon. That's really, really wonderful. And if people want more, um, if they want your book or to connect with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Well, my website is the absolute great place to start, and that's um, Dr. Drayvon James, and that's D-R-D-R-A-V as in victory, O-N, James.com. And that's the website. And you can also buy the book, Freedom is Your Birthright, at, on Amazon. And if I may, this is a perfect time for me to talk to people about um, our passions course, Discovering Your Passion, because wouldn't it be great if we all knew what it is we're passionate about and being able to go after that and live in that space. So we have a, a seven-day challenge, uh, which is absolutely free, that seven days to discovering your, pal- your, your passion by getting clear on where you are, where you want to be. And you can access that free course just by sitting an email to DrayvonJames at gmail.com and putting the word free in the subject line, and you'll get uh, access to that uh, free course. Because we really are in 2021, moving towards living this authentic space. Because when each, every one of us gets up in the morning and we're excited about what we have to give, not only is our day better, but the people around us are benefiting from us. That's true service. We're acting in our passion. It's almost like I tell people, I don't know that much about football, but one thing I do know is that everybody, when they play their position, the team does better. So when you're living and walking in your purpose, your life is better. You feel good. And when you feel good, it helps the next person do better and gives them encouragement to live and walk in their purpose and passion. So I think that course will really help people to discover their their true passion and where they want to be and what they want to give. What a wonderful gift. One of the things that we're seeing as these COVID days wear on is a uh, real flowering of, um, as Genevieve Vaughn has called it for many decades, the maternal gift economy. And as women um, feel uh, more entitled to be powerful, they give this understanding of the maternal gift economy uh, greater a space and greater flow in our lives so that you um, offer us right away. Here, I'll just give it all to you free. Yeah, because I love that. That's a mother's act. Mothers always give it all to us free. They don't expect yeah. anything in return. 
And that's that's overflow. We, we oh, would never it. ask anything in return because it's overflow. There's no room for any return. Right. Yeah. We're already that is beautiful. Already full. Yeah. So, thank you. Um, email uh, Dr. Dravon James and um, put the word free as the subject, and you'll get seven days to your passion so that you can live authentically. Ah, such important, important words. And could you give us a tip or two from your tip bag about living authentically in these particular times, which are so challenging to us all? Yes, and this is this is a challenging time for us. And when we look around us, we see things that we haven't seen before, but collectively we've done something that is a bit detrimental to our living our best life now, is collectively we've decided to embrace fear. And it's all just energy. And when we make the decision to just make a little tweak to the fear and get curious, change that fear into curiosity by asking this question, I wonder how all of this is going to work out for my good. Right? Just a little tweak in the question. I wonder how all of this is going to work out for my good. And then watch the energy around everything change because there are things happening now that are miraculous. There are families that are coming together. There, this, this quarantine has, has given us a, a strange times, but some beautiful things have happened because of this, because we've had to slow down, because we've had to become more aware, right? And that's truly, these scary times like this have the ability to do that. They have the, the ability to bridge gaps. So allow this, this time period, instead of being there and joining in the dialogue that, oh, this is um, so, so uncertain and there's going to be so much more you know, I've heard, I work in healthcare, I've been a pharmacist for 31 years, and I've heard so many things about, you know, it's going to get worse before it gets better. What's going to happen is we are going to develop into our best self, into our most giving self. And when we get to that place, that's when we're best positioned to receive the highest good. So no asking, how can I be of service? Right? Sometimes we can just be of service by putting on a mask. Doesn't have to be doing anything that's you know seems hugely heroic. So asking, you know, I wonder how this is going to serve me, and how can I be of service? Use this time period, those two questions, and your whole perspective will change. The situation externally will take as long as it needs to take to resolve itself, but your situation internally is what is most impacting your personal world. Norman Vincent Peale is wearing tie-dye. <laughs> and smiling. Yes. Because I'm sure that if Norman was living now, he would be wearing the tie-dye T-shirt. I love it. We're in tie-dye and smiling. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Honestly. Honestly. I mean, he was a person of his time, mm-hmm. and he was willing to fit in. 
Um, but he was willing to fit in because he had such an earnest and honest message. He did. And it's very relevant today. It's very relevant today. Our perspective, how we how we view the world. You know, Einstein said that every day we get up, we have to ask ourselves a question. Do I live in a hostile world or do I live in a loving world? Right? And the way we choose to answer that question will determine the course of our day. Perspective a, is everything. A shaman from... Mexico once told me something very much like that. She said, a person changes their mind when they work with her so that instead of saying, it was a terrible day, I got up, I had a flat tire, um, I was late to work and the boss yelled at me, they say, oh, thank you so much, Maria. When I got up, I had a flat tire. And I know that that saved me uh, from being in an accident on the road. And even though I was late to work and the boss yelled at me, um, I knew that um, I had been blessed. Yes. Yes. And and there it is, right? The same external circumstances, but the internal circumstance has changed. Right. When you not change the way you the reality, not, you know, oh, everything is is perfect. No, the boss yelled at me. That's uh, that's clear. I was late. Uh huh. You know, but but from a, as you say so beautifully, a sense of curiosity. Yes, yes, yes. And even in that, right, there's something to be thankful for. I have a car. The tire was flat. But did I tell you that I have a car? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> My boss yelled at me, and so from that. You can you can assume that I have a job, right? So, these are things, right? so we're always looking for, we're always acknowledging what is. It is a mistake to deny what is. You can never change anything if you don't first acknowledge what is and accept that. So you acknowledge what is, you know, and I love that example. The boss has yelled at me. So you say, yes, the boss has yelled at me, and I feel this way because of it. But did I tell you that I am gainfully employed? Right. Right. There's always something to be grateful for. And when we find that, when that is our go-to, you know, they say when you change the way you look at the world, the world that you look at changes. And this is so true. It starts with us. We are, I was talking to someone today and I said, you know, how Harry Harry Potter, uh, if you ever follow that series, I think he had like a little wand that he used and the little magic. I said, but we all have our own little magic wand and that's our tongue. And so we get to name every circumstance. We get to have the magic to say this is what that circumstance is. We do that with our tongue. So one person could say the boss yelled at me, this is the worst day ever, and the other person says the boss yelled at me, I'm so glad I have a job, and tomorrow I'll be on time, right? They have just used the magic wand over how the next 45 minutes of their day is going to go. You know, as we get to the last minute of the show, I always ask my guest, what do you want to leave in the hearts and minds of those listening to you? But you have already answered that question. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Travon James, and thank you for being so vibrant, so alive, so authentic, and such a powerful voice. 
masterpiece. I imagine that we are reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. And the threads that you are adding to that cloak are shimmering and strong threads. Thank you. Thank you so much. Rebecca, I'm glad you're going to be weaving in with us for at least a couple more weeks. And we will curiously see what the future has to hold. Green blessings, everyone. And good night. Thank you, everyone. Good night. Good night.